Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Supported by thegeldedend.com. To browse and buy vintage lead shirts, player-signed prints, and classic memorabilia, go to thegeldedend.com. The Square Ball. By the fans, for the fans, since 1989. To buy the magazine, read the blog, and to download the podcast, visit thesquareball.net. With Valentine's Day just out of the way, we're in a loving mood on the Square Ball podcast. We've even got love for Gary McSheffrey. No, not really. Uh, but we do ask Gary Kelly, Fede Bissone and Mel Sterling round, and we've got candles, wine and fine Swiss chocolates. Hello and welcome to the Square Ball podcast, and I'm joined by Michael Normanson. Hello. Moscow White. Hello. And Oddie. Hello. So this is a very special love-themed podcast. Should we tell the listener a little bit more about that? Well, they should know. It was Val- Valentine's Day as a world worldwide. Uh, was it? Valentine's <laughs> And you didn't get me anything. He. I didn't want anything. We're not going out. Anymore. You've seen Michael now. <laughs> yes, we spent a lovely uh, weekend away in Bristol, didn't we, the Valentine's weekend? It was, although, despite there being three in the travel lodge room, uh, a pair of us didn't get to share a bed. Dan got, I was on the pull-out bed. Dan was in the be- in the double with another man. <laughs> I was reduced to the, the Ben Anik role. But yeah, so because we've had Valentine's Day... We thought we'd spread a little bit of love here on the podcast, and it also leads nicely into the fact that issue seven of the magazine, we've completed it today. That's the way being printed as we speak, and there's a long interview in there, which is really good, with Howard Wilkinson, and we love the man. I was wondering how you're going to relate that to romance. <laughs> hey, come on. <laughs> Night out at Flying Pizza, with although he, is, uh, he keeps a well-stocked wine cellar uh, to drink, which I've always admired the fact that Howard Wilkinson um, always insists that wine is for drinking. A wise man in in many respects. Uh, that will be out from the Norwich game on Saturday. It includes that uh, Wilkinson interview. More details on the contents of the magazine coming up later, but just a quick reminder that you can buy it via the New Look website at thesquareball.net and go check out the brand new blog on there as well. Uh, we would love to hear from you. Empty your thoughts into our, our mailbag. Uh, you can email podcast at thesquareball.net. Find us on Facebook and you can find us on Twitter too. So yes, after our lovely uh, little romantic weekend away in Bristol, we could possibly rewind uh, a week or two back to another little date we had on a Tuesday night uh, out in, in Humberside. Hull 2, Leeds United 2, uh, followed by Leeds 1, Coventry 0, and of course the 2-0 victory at, at Bristol City uh, just on the weekend, just gone. Going back to the Hull game, thoughts on that then, gents? Got away with it, was my was my <laughs> thought, leaving the, leaving the ground. We played fairly poorly throughout and defended absolutely terribly. We just didn't seem to have any midfield. 
and were unable to defend corners. Four four two being the primary culprit in this instance, it looks like. It seemed like it. We seem alright with it when we're playing shit teams like Coventry, but against against teams that offer a bit more going forward, we we do look a bit poor, rubbish, shit. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't have to do much going forward. The second goal was just a walk, really, wasn't it? Just strolling up the middle as. Uh... Until they finally got to a furious-looking Casper Schmeichel, who couldn't stop them. Just did he come running out and start yelling at everybody? Yeah, I, I got a bit wound up at this point um, because I was maybe about ten rows back, so I was probably within earshot of Casper, and he he was berating the linesman because it had come from a corner. And ignore the fact for a second that it was a corner and somebody just knocked in a free header, basically. And the linesman had given the corner, and he had argued that it wasn't a corner, or it may have been a free kick, whichever. And he was, you know, screaming blue murder, but that doesn't excuse the fact that his defence, his defenders, didn't do their job. So I, I lost my rag with him a little bit and, and shouted at him and told him that it was his flipping defence that should uh, should have done its job instead. Did he start on you at that point? I, he, I think he probably just ignored me. He doesn't seem shy of a fight. I know it's against Bristol when somebody was lying injured. He just sort of he wandered in, despite the fact that he was up by their penalty area. Oh, Michael just appears. Have a look around, see what's going on. Is there, is there a fight going on? No. So you should be more careful in future. Well, I was chatting to uh, to Casper on Twitter this week and he seems to have taken my hint on a haircut because I suggested the Travis Bickle to him from Taxi Driver. And he's not a million miles away. I hadn't noticed that. Well, yeah, returning to the game, a, a good display of our resilience coming back from, from two down again. But it's this trend of going two down and, and so on that's a bit worrying and you know having to dig ourselves out. It was a bit different from other comebacks as well in that even having come back, I still expected us to lose it because the defence looked so crap on every single corner. We think we cleared two off the line. We weren't as porous looking as in the in the first half, but even so, every time they ran at us, there was just a massive, massive gap between the midfield and the defence. Um, so I, I still expected us to lose. I didn't what? enjoy a minute of that game. No, you said afterwards, didn't you, on the yeah, car? I, I, couldn't, I couldn't ever relax. It was reminiscent of the Barnsley game as well, where they just, as soon as they went forward, it could have the t- midfield and defence just... Parted. Uh, in the uh, points in the first half, I mean, they missed a brilliant chance inside the opening, must have been 20 seconds. Um, and throughout the game, they missed chances. So it, it could have been a lot worse. It seemed to remind me a little bit of that era under McAllister where every time a ball went into the box from out wide, you feared the worst. Strange because we were blaming 4 4 2, but on corners, that shouldn't really matter. But yeah, we, for some reason, <laughs> that seemed to fail as well. Well, afterwards, Grayson sort of defended the defensive porousness a little bit, didn't he? Suggesting that it's because we're so attacking and so adventurous that we sometimes leave ourselves open. Not that... on corners, though. You shouldn't, well. you shouldn't leave, <laughs> we're not leaving six men forward on corners. <laughs> I know, it was a bad day at the office, maybe, because we've, we've not had many, have we, to be fair, in the last, um, the last few months. We've not had a great deal to complain about. Compared to the first six weeks... Yeah, you know we haven't had a, a Preston or a Barnsley for a or a Cardiff for a while, and they're, and they're a decent side. And we did draw, we didn't lose it, which we would have done at the beginning of the season. Yeah, the fact that we didn't and just let them let them have seven was um, definitely a, a bonus. And Snodgrass's free kick was um, a work of close range beauty, but beauty nonetheless. Snodgrass was great. It was winding their their fans up down the side brilliantly. Oh, kept, something he, chronic. Wasn't he it? kept running running alongside them and to get the ball back, and then he was time wasting a bit. And there was it was morning at the lines. They were, getting, well, they were getting more and more furious with him. They'd, every time he, he went near that side, the whole front row ran forward <laughs> towards him. We had uh, we had a conversation in the car on the way over, didn't we? We sort of uh, ruined the fact that we never scored direct free kicks, and yeah. we put that ghost to rest anyway. But look at keep letting Bradley Johnson try his luck. A quick note for for the whole fans. Singing to the Leeds fans, you're going back to your shithole. Irony not lost on the on the fishy folk then. 
What do we have written here? Tigers, tigers, rah, rah, rah. Uh, that was another another chant that we, we were sort of mocking them with, weren't we? A little I think bit. when we came back from uh, from two down, there was. Have you ever seen Hull fans doing the uh, mall by the Tigers where they do a little camp? Getting mauled by the tigers. <laughs> Sad to describe this, but it's it's kind of like a. It's something you'd see in Cats the Musical. Yeah, it's very. It's, it's got Mr. Mistopheles written all over it. And so Leeds are doing a tigers, tigers, rah 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 with this uh, this chlorine motion going on. But they yeah they don't seem to have a great sense of uh, of irony anyway. So that was lost on them. So that was that then. Yeah, two two. All in all, decent point. Onto the Coventry game. Summer returning to form, returning to the side in importance. And a comfortable win, really. And most importantly... Oh, yeah, Moscow White, over to you on, on Mr <laughs> Gary McSheffrey. Gary McSheffrey, hiding on the bench like a coward most most of the game. It was the mark of the man that he chose. He, I, I've got absolutely no evidence that I base this on, but I'm sure he went to A.D. Booth right before the game and said, please, just leave me on the bench. Is it also a mark of the man's comments in the paper afterwards? Well, Gary McSheffrey, <laughs> he's just the gift that gives, keeps on giving. <laughs> apparently, he's in the dark. This is a Coventry Telegraph again, which I don't know if they're just running. I know the we keep running his diary for him, but they're they're just like a, an agony column for Gary McSheffrey. <laughs> Says he's in the dark over why Leeds United fans jeered his return to Welland Road at the weekend. Uh, he was jeered when he came on as a second half substitute, and he told, oh no, he actually told the Yorkshire Evening Post, I didn't really say anything to offend anyone. I was asked the question, why didn't you stay? And I said, I didn't really know because I hadn't been told. It was misinterpreted, and I'd never said anything bad about Leeds. Little things can become a silly headline. He is a, a little man in, in many ways and, and a silly headline. And, others. and he, again, we're just, he has completely missed the fact that even if he had never said a word to anybody in any medium since he left Leeds United, he would have been jeered for the reasons that I think we probably jeered him while he was here. Because he was really, really bad at playing football for Leeds United. Last little bit from him. I was expecting the reception, but this is a decent club with good fans. And when it's going good... They're great fans. Fuck off, McSheffrey. <laughs> <laughs> this is a great club with great fans. And even when it's going bad, they're great fans. <laughs> so you and your decent club with your patronising, I've always said that, so I don't really know why they were booing me. Because nobody gives a toss what you say. So oh, I've yeah. always said they were decent, <clears throat> so the four and four yet they boo. The 4 4 two worked, anyway. <laughs> That's because they're shit, as we said. Yeah, it did. It was very, very comfortable. The opposite of the whole game, where I felt worried throughout, I didn't feel worried at all through this. Which is a bit of a worrying thing in itself when you're not worried at a Leeds game. And then they did have a chance right at the end. But until yeah. then, they'd not had a single. Quick word for Davide Sommer then before we move on to the Bristol game. He's doing very well. It's a shame we don't seem to play as well with him in the team. Mm, he doesn't it's, really fit the system that works best for us, does he? No, which is a shame because he, he shows time and time again that he's, he's probably our most natural goal scorer. It's a nice problem to have. Cliché alert. Right, yeah, Bristol, nil, Leeds 2. Uh, Saturday the 12th of February... At Greydoll and Snodgrass, two of our absolutely informed players uh, with a goal. Snoddy's absolutely beautiful. I didn't see it, really. I was trying to check the latest scores on my phone. It was only, what were your words? I shouted, he's going to score. Look, look, he's going to score. <laughs> so I did, and he did, which was great. So, <laughs> to be fair, we'd had a, a few looseners before the match as well. So um, Poppers. <laughs> <laughs> I, was thinking, I was thinking more beer, but... Um, yeah, so it was thanks to Michael that he alerted me to that, but I didn't actually see it until the day after when uh, I saw it on the Football League show. You could watch it again and again and again. It's fantastic. It just yeah. gets better. It gets so better, yeah. better and better. Along with uh, with Gradle's one where he made the keeper lie down, 
<laughs> it was just one of those really nice, nicely paced goals where everyone, everything, the player moves a little bit and all the players around him just drop and he, and he could just roll it into the net. Do you think Gradle scored that goal because Snodgrass scored his goal in the first half? Because I, I, it had a, an air of one-upmanship about it. You wouldn't expect Gradle to sort of dance his, his quick step around the six-yard box up turning into Stuart Hall um, and then uh, jink it between James's legs. But having seen Snodgrass do that, I, I couldn't help thinking he was I'm going to have a go. The rumours of him going to Newcastle for seven million are starting to seem less ridiculous. The longer yeah. this season goes on, he's, he's him and Snodgrass combined have not seen a team that can cope with him so far. It's so long since we've had natural width as well. I mean, for years he's mm. been a problem at Leeds, hasn't it? But Pressman. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Snodgrass is brilliant, though. We may as well. It's evident in every single game that he's a cut above anybody we've had for years. And he is getting better. He is. He's. Just because he still looks knackered and slow, yeah, yeah. but yeah. somehow brilliant as well. Is it a testament as well to how difficult um, League One was for us to get out of that? Snodgrass didn't really shine at that level, and he's only sort of growing into it now at a higher level. I mean, he looked, he looked very real... good in his first season. He was a bit yeah. off some of the time last year, but I mean, he was still he was still decent. But I, I like him a lot. I think he's he's great. To, he's, he's like a throwback because he's by well, Scottish for a start. <laughs> Which helps, but yeah, he's not. Are you suggesting not... that all Scottish people are throwbacks? That's well, good, especially for our good, Scottish listeners. Good Scottish footballers are throwbacks because yeah. there's not many over the last uh, <laughs> over the last ten years. But yeah, he's kind of he's not especially quick, but he's got he's skillful enough to uh, to get by. He uses it's all in the mind. He uses his mind as well. A slow winger. That's what we've been missing. <laughs> but it is. I like I like watching his slow wing play. Nice to see uh, David James get megged as well for uh, Gradle's goal. He took a bit of abuse from the Leeds fans, which was a lot of fun. He always does. Yeah, but to be fair, he, he kind of smiled about it, and he even when he did make his customary boo-boo in the second half, he kind of uh, just turned around to the Leeds fans and laughed, didn't he, as if to say, well, you knew it was coming. I get the impression he doesn't really care about Bristol City. I know he's just sound an extension, but everything about him down there is kind of, well, who cares? Yeah. It doesn't matter. When he went there, it did seem that he was just going to a retirement home. He just, he just didn't thought, want to move. Where, do I, where would I like to live in Britain? Oh, Bristol's a nice town. Mm-hmm. I'll play for them. Cheery welcome from the locals. Do you think they took to him more than they took to the Leeds fans? I imagine so. It wouldn't be too difficult. They were quite friendly to us out away from the ground with the, the, the local yokels. They were very pleasant people. We had, we had a nice evening, didn't we? Went, yeah. In fact, a very bizarre evening in that we, we went back to the hotel and went back out again. First pub we went in, and I'm not saying it was a dive. It was quite shit, though. You yeah. are, aren't you? It was, yeah. a, it was a dive. Yeah. Um, they, had, they had like overweight people in the fifties dancing to hip hop, yeah. like commercial hip hop in there. So, <laughs> so we stayed in there for several hours. But we walked in and we're like, "Isn't that? Is that? Is that Paul Connolly? Yes, it is." And Paul Connolly was stood in there with two of his mates, wasn't he? He was. And it was one of those genuine double take moments. When and you, you set you set a drunk man on him. I did. I found I, the most <laughs> drunk leads in the place and going, "That's Paul Connolly." <laughs> I did. I Why did. don't you I'm, go speak to him? I've got to take responsibility for that because he sort of came up and about maybe an inch from my face and went, is there a Leeds player in here? I went, yeah, over there, Paul Connolly. And what he went up to him and he said, uh, he said, yeah, are you injured or what? <laughs> what are you drinking for? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm having a go at him about the fact that he was drinking, but Connolly was really nice, wasn't he, about it? He seemed to handle it well and then and the fellow eventually took the hint. Yeah, it was, it was a fun night, but the thing is we saw Connolly's mate in the takeaway at about one or two in the morning who he'd been out with and I think Connolly and his other mate had gone back to uh, to their hotel, but this third lad was out getting himself a, a greasy burger. So we kind of latched onto him, and he started uh, letting information slip about the wages that the first team squad were on at Leeds United. Oh, this is interesting. I've got a pen and a piece yeah. of paper. 
he was suggesting again this is through a haze of a lot of booze in a Bristol takeaway so it's make of it what source. you will you know give it give it the weighting that you want to but he was saying that Connolly's on 10,000 pound a week the top earner in the squad is Casper on 16,000 pounds a week and Becky's contract that he's just signed has matched Casper's <laughs> Casper's and that the Johnson saga Johnson wants eight was that what it was I think not, so. not asking for top whack but he wanted eight so I don't know if there's any substance to this whatsoever, but it's it's a it's a it's a fun bit of tittle tattle. I would I would be surprised if the whole problem with Bradley Johnson is him wanting less than the right back. That would be odd. I'd give him eight. Oh, I mean, he's not right. worth it, but yeah. you know, if that's Cole Connolly's not yeah. worth ten. Yeah. But they made up numbers out of it, don't we? Yeah, exactly. We were saying that it's just ridiculous to think that I can. Connolly's a good player, but he's a, he's an average Championship fullback, and ten thousand pounds a week. It's a bit depressing. Yes, more fortune than any of us can ever hope for, just by being quite good at something. I mean, I'm quite good at some things, but I'll never never make <laughs> that kind of money at them. His mate he was out with was uh, he'd been in the youth team with him at Plymouth, and he worked at Halifax now. It's a bit of a shame. Not even Halifax Town, just the Halifax. <laughs> With Howard, living the dream. <laughs> Given that we've just been talking about the Bristol match, one highlight to come out of that match was the form of the new right-back signing we've got in from loan on Aston Villa. Now, correct my pronunciation on this. Eric Lehigh, is that how it's pronounced? Are we t- led to understand? That'll do for me. Do. Yeah, close enough. never heard of it. Because we, we were just screaming, well done, Eric, <laughs> on, on Saturday. But who was it? You, you kept describing him, Michael, as a, as a marauding fullback. Oh, he's very marauding. Yeah, he was marauding around a lot, wasn't he? Yeah, couldn't stop him. Had a good game. He, do, he does, he looks very impressive. Though. He got, uh, seems quick, gets forward, can throw it a very long way. If we weren't paying Connolly so much, maybe we could have him. Yeah. In fact, did we have a, quite a, a lengthy discussion on the quality of his, his throws late on on Saturday night at some point? You were pissed, possibly. You? Yeah, he throws it very well, though. And he throws it. It's, it's a nice flat throwing as well. Yeah, powerful rather, thing. rather than a loopy thing yeah. that a defender gets time to watch watch drop into the box. I think we've... it's like a drilled cross, isn't it? Sort of. Yeah, we like him. He's good so far. Yeah, we'll, we'll slate him next time. And he's well. He's already yes, indeed. And he's already made noises about staying until uh, until the end of the season. So what kind of noises? Uh, yeah. Hey, can I stay to the end of the season, please? Is it the American? He is. Yes. Another one. On the transfer front, still raising interest, and this has got to be the most public courting for a long, long time. It's almost Alex Ferguson-esque in its, in its style, or uh, or Redknapp style, isn't it? Um, Michael Johnson uh, from Manchester City. We're not far off being 93 days from the end of the season. Are we still expecting to see him coming? I don't think he had to wonder who his Valentine's card was from on Monday. It's almost, we are sort of lying. SG kiss. We're lying legs akimbo in front of him. <laughs> Just and, begging him. Yeah, and Grayson did say that he he would take Johnson, didn't he? In the paper, that was the Evening Post headline. Got the quote: "I am I am ready and waiting for Johnson, Simon Grayson." See if we can manage not to uh, wedge a lot of Johnson uh, jokes into this. Uh, another Michael that's been on our radar: Michael Stewart. Is mm. this the madman in Turkey from Scotland? Yes. Yes. Who the, uh, the the you know how we always say his players look good on YouTube, like or I'm on. Nunes and uh, and their oak. The good, the only good clip of Michael Stewart on YouTube is when he's sent off playing for Hearts, I think, and uh, they filmed him going down the tunnel and he kicks a water bottle and falls over. <laughs> that's his. That's his. Um, his notable contribution. Will to he add the much needed? Will he add the much needed grit to midfield? That's a well. Question. I don't think it's all gone quiet since he played in that trial game. So I suspect we may have discovered he is that bad. Somebody else who played in that trial game, Monsieur Mystery, strange French trialist. Any, it seems strange that this has been kept very much under wraps. I'm wondering who it is. There's I'm a not. lot of speculation. It's probably someone who we're not going to sign. Yeah, I'm not sure. It's, I mean, there are quite often you'll see a team sheet just with trialist yeah. written on it. He probably um, does have a work permit. 
Are you suggesting yeah. we were employing <laughs> um, illegal immigrants? Behind closed doors, who knows? Another foreign trialist of sorts who's been uh, down at Thorpe Arch, Luciano Becchio's younger brother, been training with the under-18s. How old is he? I don't know. I, I presume he's under 18. He may be 18 himself. Who knows? More thorough research would have given me the answer to that question. Is, Is that, that part of the uh, improved contractor, Lucy? You've got to tag my little brother in. As in the Ray and, Danny, uh, the Ray and uh, Rod Wallace contract. Exactly. Just company. Be nice, a nice thought to have two Beckios on the books, though. We've got um, Ian Snowden's kid is hanging around up there as well, Jordan Snowden, which I think he's called Jordan, isn't he? But um, he's appeared in a, a couple of youth team games. It's a family affair. At least he's not the child of a scummer, which makes a difference. It's a child of one of our own. <laughs> and on the Argentinian tip, one man who has been on the way out, as we already know, obviously, Fede Bassone. Interesting frank comments from, from Federico uh, as he's uh, gone out on loan to Charlton, basically admitting to being a bit crap, really. I wanted to cry when I read this. <laughs> it was quite heart-rending. What, what are the key, the key quotes? I feel disappointment, yes. But only with myself, he said. <laughs> I can't feel angry because I don't blame anyone. I'm only disappointed in me. I mean, this is the Valentine's love pile. It's a whole... It's, it's not you. <laughs> it's me. <laughs> it's just not working anymore. I wanted to make a go of it, but you want too much from me. I feel under pressure all the time. <laughs> He's having a proper meltdown. Life as a footballer is like this. When you're playing, everything is good. When you're not playing, everything is wrong. Your mentality changes and you don't feel so good about yourself. You stop showering. <laughs> I didn't brush my teeth for a week. <laughs> the way Leeds play is different to how Swansea play. What, on grass? <laughs> well, yes. It took me some time to understand that, you know, some new ideas, new positions, new expectations. Bless him. It's a nice change from McSheff, though, who left yeah. and went, I was, I'm really good. Yeah. Why didn't you buy me? <laughs> yeah. It is. If, if Bersoni is anything, he is the anti-McSheffrey. Has he earned himself a second chance then with his just through sheer humility? No. No. Really. It takes more than that. <laughs> it's, it's, they're just words, empty words. <laughs> I, I mean off. I mean if we if we're taking that metaphor of this being a breakup too far, it's one of those where, you know, you you put a, a comforting arm around the shoulder and when they've gone you phone somebody up and say that idiot's gone at last. <laughs> Two more you years would, on that contract. <laughs> you'll believe what they came out with before they walked out. So we've um, gone our separate ways as well with Tom Elliott, as we have mentioned in the last couple of pods uh, over the course of the transfer window. Uh, got himself a little contract in Scotland. He's up there, isn't he? He's uh, been so well received. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I looked him up. Um, I looked up at the Aki's forum to see how he was doing. He's kind um, of like spying on our ex-lover's Facebook page. I know, but... <laughs> yeah, they're, they're not... Best pleased. The most anyone had to say about him was give him a chance. Give us some of the select comments then. What was it? The, the lad looked awful. The lad looked awful. Terrible first touch, clutching, clutching his hamstring and didn't look interested. Hmm. Did we did we actually sign this guy on a recommendation without seeing him in action first? He's absolutely atrocious. And just everyone, <laughs> just in case anyone says he needs time, give the guy a chance. I refuse. Twenty odd minutes is more than enough to sum <laughs> to sum that um, sum up that this is this guy's not fit to wear the colours. <laughs> So, uh, All the best, Tom. Made his debut at 16. Yeah. yeah. He's a promising youngster. Yeah. I like how someone said he's got a trampoline first touch. Best of luck, Tom. Oh, yeah. Best of luck. We'll see you in the Halifax. Seacroft yeah. Tesco or something. <laughs> and sadly, we I would have found some quotes about Alan Martin, but... Has he found a club yet? No. No one wants Alan. Oh, somebody, somebody must somebody want take a short him in. goalkeeper. All right, with the, uh, the transfers wrapped up, fixture changes, uh, obviously, as we're getting towards the cliche alert, cliche alert, business end of the season... 
Uh, we're now getting more fixtures moved around for television coverage. Uh, Forest on the telly, as we know. Swans has obviously been moved. What about? I'm Reading? still not sure when the Forest game is. It's Saturday it's dinner time. I know what you're saying, but Lunch. it's just yeah. I, it's beyond my comprehension anymore. And so the next one, the Reading game. Is this the Friday Someone night? Someone will tell us before it's good it happens. Friday <laughs> evening. Good, good Friday night. They're always good, aren't they, Friday nights? Hey. hey, I'll be here all week. Do we get hot cross buns in this case? What, for Good Friday? Yes. Or is that Easter Monday? I don't know. Chocolate eggs, anyway. Dish out some praise then now. Um, we've got some internationals in our squad. Mentioned him before, Bob Snodgrass. Picks up his first Scotland cap. Well done to Bob. I hope he does prefer... You remember when Andy Cole became Andrew? Yeah. Robert Snodgrass is actually... It's Bob. It's Bob. Yeah. No, I'm an international. <laughs> About time. Yeah. It's about time. If he'd have been playing yeah. in Scotland, he'd have been in that team for three years. There was an interesting interview with his old Livingston manager this weekend. He said that if he was still playing in Scotland, he'd probably have had to quit by now because he was in with the wrong element. He said that moving to Leeds is what, is what has made him because he got in with uh, a football atmosphere instead of just a Glasgow atmosphere. <laughs> yeah. Hi, if you're listening in, in Glasgow and if you're, uh, if you're sober st- enough to understand what <laughs> yeah. I'm saying to you. On the mean streets. Yeah, exactly. That was the implication anyway. So um, it seems like uh, he had to sort of come to England to start again. And now he's um, he's clearly the best player Scotland have had in a generation. Plus he's come out with some nice comments this week about uh, wanting to stay as well. Yeah, yeah. He's got 18 months left on his contract. Saying, yeah, we gave him his chance, so yeah. uh, he wants to re- repay that faith. I would be gutted if he left. Under any circumstances, ever. Are you listening, Ken? <laughs> Are you listening, Bob? One local lad who's finally made the international stage, 22-year-old Jonathan House, and makes his debut for the England under-21s. It's an odd one. Yeah. They always are under-21s. You get you get people who rack up 30 caps for them. Well, James Milner's yeah. still playing for them like when he's 23. Because they have well, like a special amount of overage. Over a yeah. couple of overages, isn't yeah. it, something? And then you're allowed some related to when their birthday was in that season and yeah. some the, little, the moon was overhead and Saturn was rising in Uranus. Some, little, that. some little got some extra merit marks <laughs> at college. But, uh, yeah, it's good. I mean, he's having a good season. He's uh, little Johnny Wanny. So the least he deserved is a call-up <laughs> to a, a nothing match for, as a reserve for the under-21s. <laughs> yeah. But he actually got on the pitch, which I think a few people kind of... Uh, Sneered and said, "Perhaps he would just be there to carry the water bottles and stuff." But no, he, he is recognised and playing at international level. Good to get him into that environment as well, as well. Perhaps get him out of his comfort zone at Leeds because Leeds is all he's known, obviously. So get him into a bunch of winners like the England side. <laughs> <laughs> get that boozing and uh, womanising mentality that he's lacking in Rothwell. Morley as well. Morley Rothwell. He's in Morley. And of course, David Sommer making progress on the international scene by bagging himself a goal against Kenya. Kenya. Yeah. He's, he's doing well, isn't he? That Was that before he got dropped <laughs> from outside? Rel- relative to where he was two years ago, let's say. Lincoln. Yeah, yeah. that's a good Stage point. Up. It can only be a matter of time before uh, Luciano's called up for Argentina. If our reserve striker is an international, surely it's Sanseri, isn't it? Bacchio is just waiting for his call up. I remember in League One thinking about that as a, as a, just ironically, but the longer we, the better we do, you never know. Well, if you look at Gradle, Snodgrass, Sommer... Becchio, all have kind of grown together in, into a house and as well into an attacking force for the team, scoring so many goals. If we were to go up, it's not beyond the bounds of reason that the, they would all make a bow on the international stage. It'd be great. I'd love to see Becchio do it. I mean, all, all Messi requires really is somebody in front of him to put the ball in the net. That's what's lacking. <laughs> <laughs> if Becchio did it, it'd be like the film Goal, but less shit. <laughs> 
We like to keep tabs on Twitter, as you know, on this podcast. So, a very quick mention for Lloyd Sam, who made a very interesting confession on uh, on Twitter. What was interesting is that I was doing the exact same thing at the same time. <laughs> Tweeting, you mean? <laughs> Amongst other things. <laughs> With your other hand. Yeah, if you haven't seen this, I think somebody must have got hold of his phone or his Twitter account and posted that he was indulging in an act of onanism. Yes, it was self-love. Yeah. In in keeping with the theme of the pod, he was um, loving loving all parts of his own of anatomy. His own, yes, <laughs> self personality. I'm sure he was thinking what a lovely personality he has as he shoved a. Anyway, would you <laughs> would you possibly think that Bradley Johnson was probably responsible? Why for this? would you suspect that you're saying Bradley... there was a, a Johnson at the bottom of it? <laughs> oh. Plum, we're plumbing well, he, the lads, we're plumbing the desk. He said on Twitter that it was just a finger. <laughs> I mean, he'd have to be a pretty talented boy. Let's move on. We are plumbing the depths now. This is the bottom of the barrel. Anyway, on to Rod Stewart appearing live at Ellen Road. Woo! Rock, rock god, whose son is called McAllister, am I right in thinking? Such was his love of... Man power. United. <laughs> well, we know he's one of them, but he, he loved Gary McAllister so much uh, in his time at Leeds that he gave his son the name McAllister. Never knew that. Well, moving on. And Rod Stewart actually has a full-size football pitch in his back garden, doesn't he? So why didn't he just do the concert there? It's a very good point. Maybe good point. low capacity. I mean, Geisley have a, a full-size football pitch. <laughs> <laughs> they're, not, they're not putting on... I mean, um, Bates is trying to big this up into like a week-long festival of music, isn't he? And they're bolting seats into the pitch, which I can only assume they're going to be on pallets of some sort, but still... If Ken Bates is, is building this into a, a week-long uh, festival of music, I'm guessing that... Get, ten, that, get Elvis. Ten, I, want, <laughs> I want Elvis. There'll be Tenors Unlimited. Well, <laughs> so that'll be interesting if you uh, see Hot Rod at Ellen Road. I'm sure fans of Rod Stewart will enjoy this performance by Rod Stewart. Mm, indeed. Final mention in this section then for the exhibition that's going to be on at Temple Works before and after the Norwich game on Saturday. That's in Holbeck in Leeds. It's called Wish You Were Here and it's a series of photographs by 1980s casuals, uh, Leeds fans. Absolutely superb. We've got a feature on it in issue seven of the Squareball magazine that's going to be out for the Norwich game. Some really powerful photos in there and a great article in the mag too. It's a lot of very well-dressed young men having a laugh while chip fans burn around them and, and um, people scrapping the background. And the, the event looks really good. Temple Works is um, it's one of the landmarks of Leeds that um, is unfortunately the roof's caved in a bit, so the best part of it. The Egyptian frontage is hidden, but the space inside is most impressive. And I think the event afterwards has DJs playing music from the era, and uh, um, there is a bar. Important. <laughs> Important if, if anybody's in two minds, be assured there is a bar. Yeah, so well worth checking out. And get yourself down to Temple Works in Holbeck before and or after the the Norwich game on Saturday. And there, I'm sure there's a, a website that's going to be following the exhibition. Uh, you can get the it's If you search Temple Works Leeds and then click What's On, it's the first thing that comes yeah. up. There's a video that shows a few of the pictures from, from the thing that's on there, and I think they're going to put some of the pictures online because I guess if you're listening in America or Europe, getting over for the Norwich game just for that as well is going to be difficult. Well, actually, on the American note, I was just going to mention that they are in talks to take it to New York. Which should be a fine. And thing. Paris, I hear as well. Really? Actually. So it's going well. Who'd have ever thought all the time well. it'd be so cosmopolitan? <laughs> but yeah, they're uh, they're going to be getting a website up and running once the exhibition is finished. So we will uh, we will sort of bring that one back up at the time when that website's up and running. But uh, needless to say, we can shoehorn a reference into buying the square bottle at this point <laughs> and say, "Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot." 
we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. We are bringing a feature on it in this issue of the square ball with a selection of photos. So do buy that on Saturday if you're heading down to Ellen Road. Otherwise, buy it on the squareball.net. The Squareball Podcast, supported by thegeldedend.com. <laughs> In this bit of the pod, we're going to talk about love and romance because we just had Valentine's Day. Uh, a lot of love in this studio right now. And Moscow, you want to say a special thanks, first of all, to one of our listeners? I think, well, we have been sent a, could we call it a Valentine's present? I think it may have sat in um, what we call our office for about a fortnight, but we didn't get it till Valentine's Day. So we'll call it a Valentine's present. All the way from Switzerland and from um, one of our friends on Twitter, Leeds Lasso 09. It's Nazi gold. <laughs> <laughs> The po- it's all the paintings the Pope didn't want. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, out of, uh, it, it's, um, it's not. But. No, it's um, a lovely present that we got. It's um, a box full of, of Swiss chocolate that um, leads Lasso 9 sent us that um, we probably, I don't think we've done anything to deserve being sent Swiss chocolate. That hasn't um, really stopped us eating it at a rate that's a bit embarrassing. It has. I mean, we're at part three of the pod and there is actually none of it left. <laughs> <laughs> How <laughs> many bars? Seven? Uh, there, were, <laughs> there were five bars, five high quality bars and of um, and a variety as well, which um, there's far too much effort and, uh, and, and care, care <laughs> and the attention gone into this. Um, and we are very grateful. So um, without turning this too much into, we mentioned Test Match Special before we were all just chucking into a, a chocolate cake um, thank you very much yes we really appreciate it yes we do we just need a drink to wash it down with (laughs) don't they have wine in Switzerland (laughs) all gifts welcome in the post except anthrax alright so this section is is about love we want to talk about love and romance done the Leeds United way Leeds United style so Moscow I'm going to go back to you then and and tell us this this fantastic story (laughs) well having just had a a sensitive moment of uh, care and attention to, to try and fit in the Leeds United romance Mel Sterland, who else would we turn to for, for sex, basically? <laughs> this this isn't love, it's Mel Sterland, the sex machine. And I, Can we I, just interject at this point and just say that we were all slightly concerned by, in, in our notes, that 
There are just uh, sort of four words for this section. It just says sex, sweat, and Mel Sterland. So I've, take take it away. The floor's yours. I've always associated Mel Sterland with both sweat and sex, which has been um, a regular complaint of girlfriends over the years. But look, looking through his um, um, his autobiography, as I was once, we have this quite a. All, he, he tells the story of being on tour in Ireland, and as footballers, birds used to come on to you. We went back to the hotel, this is Mel Sterling now, not any of us, um, and there were about four or five players there with one bird. She obviously wanted to go with the big hitters in the team, and we knew which room they were going in. Was so, he knocked there? This is, this is before. Oh, it's before his time. So we went into the room ahead of them. Uh, this is who was there. Mel Sterling, I was there with Mickey Whitlow and Simon Grayson. Sorry, did you say Simon Grayson? I did say Simon Grayson. The big hitters. And we hid behind the curtains in the room. These two well-known players, the big hitters, came back with this bird. They were on the bed and nothing was happening. They were only talking and drinking. Then they were having a kiss and a cuddle. And Mickey caught the curtain, so the bird shouts, There's somebody behind that curtain! It's Ireland. It's I'm not sounded a lot like your Simon Grayson voice, but go on. Mickey and Simon looked at me and I shook my head as if to say, I'm stopping here, so you'd better just walk out from behind this curtain. That's what Mickey did, leaving me and Simon still there. It was a relief because Mick had got the smelliest breath in the world and we were face to face. As we say, romance, Valentine's Day, the, the love pod. Fair play to him though because he owned up and walked out. So I'm there with Larry Grayson and again, they're messing about on the bed. I'm trying to look through the curtains and my foot slipped off a little ledge. Again, she jumps and says, there's somebody else behind that curtain. Um, I whispered to Grayson, you're going, I'm stopping. And off he went leaving just me there. I was peeking at the three of them. <laughs> <laughs> peeking at the three of them on the bed. But with me being like an elephant, my foot slipped again. This time, the bird gets up, pulls the curtains back, and I'm there, pretending to be a window cleaner. That sort of thing used to happen on tour. Players used to take birds back to the hotel, and others would hide in wardrobes and watch them shagging. <laughs> <laughs> That's Romance Mel Sterling style. Blunt to the point, in the, in the wardrobe... And they say romance is dead. And so, with that in mind... More innocent times. They were. Football was a... Yeah. Was a... But those girls didn't even sell their stories. Mel Sterling did instead. <laughs> there are probably lessons in that for all of us from Mel Sterling's. Um, lessons on probably how not to do things. But uh, one right back, also known for his romance at Ellen Road, Gary Kelly, always used to stick his tongue down people's throats, didn't he, and get kissing other players when, when uh, we scored a goal. It's nice to show people that you appreciate their efforts. But not a goal scorer himself very often, was he, Gary? So he, he used to just do what he can. It was often his nephew that he used to like to um, <laughs> plant one on, and his nephew scored plenty. Ian Hart was always a close family relationship. Yeah, I guess that's well, it's better than kissing the bloody badge, isn't it? And one standout example of somebody doing that, one Mr Alan Smith. All the, the scum fans used to sing to him, didn't they? Smithy, Smithy, kiss your badge. He used to be a footballer, didn't he, Alan Smith? <laughs> a few years ago. Striker for Arsenal. Yeah, that one, yeah. yeah Big lad. What do we think about the whole badge kissing thing then? I mean... I don't like to see it. It's... No. Not since then. He's put me right off the badge well, kissing. They didn't just kiss it. I mean, you've virtually yeah. married the damn thing yeah. on some, some occasions. Well, you've written something really interesting in your uh, review in this issue seven of the Square Ball magazine... About it's about the two thousand and three two thousand and four season. Obviously, the season we went down, and it starts off with you uh, reminding us that he ran up to the cop when he, he capitalised on was it DDA Dummies error against Newcastle. He, no, he was playing for us. It was, was he, um, Olivier Bernard. That's the one. Yeah, yeah fullback. <laughs> Dummy was uh, supposedly on our side. Yeah, and it was because as 
I do research these things for my sins, and, I, and so I watched all the highlights of all the games from that season one by one. Which did you bring out a season a, review that year? Uh, no, we didn't, but they are available on LUTV. Um, intrigue, <laughs> entertainingly enough. If you really so, want to punish well, yourself, a snuff film. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, in the first game he scored, a, um, he put us two one up against Newcastle, and was straight into the cop badge kissing, and then he disappears under a pile of players, and then they'll, and then when they've gone, he's back at the cop, and he's shaking his fist and kissing the badge again, and then he also on the next game away to Tottenham, and he scores there again. It's a good goal, but then he's he's looking around for the away fans. He's kind of getting in his badge. You think, well, you're at White Hart Lane, and it's like 20 minutes gone, and you've just opened the scoring. It's not that big, and it almost going through all those games. I mean, we didn't score many goals that season, but other ones started even like Mark Viduka, who I liked him, but he was perhaps less committed than. Um, then some were still celebrating goals by turning away, going, oh, I fucking love the badge. <laughs> and it's just, just dial it down a little bit. It's like, Particularly because they it's were... It's like a clingy, a clingy girlfriend. It's like you, you don't <laughs> have to always be snogging me I love you, you know. I love you. <laughs> yeah, I get Do you know it. that I love you? Tell me you love me. Get your hands off me for like, just 10 minutes. I'm... I'm talking to this police officer. <laughs> you know, there's times and places when... I think particularly because in that season, the players had given up and they let us down badly. They, You know, whether they would admit to it or not. That, not I wouldn't say Smith had. I no. think Smith was doing the role of three players. But in, yeah, but he, he, but he also buggered off at the first opportunity. Yeah. And that TV but he interview was, was he did, ridiculous. He did play on the Mr Leeds United thing and um, Leeds through and through. Yeah, he was so Leeds United that he couldn't stomach it in the championship. And, exactly. you know, I'm a Premier League player. I understand he probably did that for his international ambitions, but <laughs> that worked out well for him. Well, that's when he started talking in the third person as well. Alan Smith needs to do yeah. this and what's good for Alan Smith. And You're basically fine to kiss the badge as long as you stay forever or until, <laughs> or until we want rid of you. Yeah. <laughs> so we're the filter through which you must pass. Okay, yeah. fair enough. One time where we can really indulge in, in bromance, and it's one thing I love about uh, being a Leeds fan and when we go potty when we score is that you often find yourself getting hugged by random men often older and bigger than you and, it's uh, the only reason I go these <laughs> days <laughs> there's, there's something brilliant about that moment of release when a goal goes in particularly I think back to like when uh, I don't know uh, last minute goal at Oldham Ian Westlake 95th minute yeah. and you have one of those moments there's a cheating scoundrel if ever there was <laughs> <laughs> and um and it just goes absolutely potty and you end up with a man jumping on you. It's, and it's a brilliant release. Have you ever just thought it's just you? I mean, I'd, it, perhaps it's just your your handsome magnetism that they just can't resist. Because I'm not sure I don't, I don't get hugged by as many men, no matter how many goals Leeds United score. Maybe it's my boyish charm. I think one moment we can all definitely say that we... Uh, we enjoyed was the Bristol promotion. Well, I didn't, obviously, because I wasn't there, as we've we've covered many times before on this podcast, but everybody who was there, it was uh, a very special moment of togetherness. There was a lot of a lot of tears, a lot of men hugging. It was, there was a nice togetherness. Was, uh, I felt like we could all share our feelings that day. It was a comeback, I think, for that. We were, we had an appalling ref, a man sent off. It looked like we, were, we weren't going to do it again. And then that beautiful house and goal, and then the winner. The celebrations for the winner when Beckford runs away, and then... Becchio catches him up and basically just slams him to the floor, and yeah. and it's it's have you, if you've seen Last Tango in Paris, <laughs> that's just what I was thinking. Funnily enough, yeah, except there were there were fewer um, spreads involved. <laughs> They're down there for a for a long time. Becchio just won't let him go, and it's uh, it's it's nice, like that kind of thing. Last Tango in Beeston. <laughs> The whole night in Leeds after that Bristol game as well. There was a lot of the hugging went on long through the night with uh, with random men and oh, it was a it was a lovely night. And I, mind you, I was drinking Queen's Court. <laughs> I, I ran halfway across the pitch just to um, 
just to touch Robert Snodgrass after the game. You'd, um, have, you'd run across broken glass. <laughs> I, I would have. You were further than he did then. <laughs> <laughs> I I touched his thigh and I treasure that moment just as much as him. <laughs> <laughs> With my hand. Did you um, did you shed a tear that day we got promoted? No, I did. Yeah. Yeah. Love I was too tense. And the next morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I've got to admit, when I was in the car on the... Uh, I'd gone clay pigeon shooting. If you've not heard this story before, I've mentioned it both in writing and on this podcast. <laughs> Tell I, us again. Yeah, I, I ended up at a stag do. We went clay pigeon shooting and we were driving away from uh, the clay pigeon shooting place just outside Manchester. The uh, most important game in Leeds United's <laughs> history for, what, the previous, what, five years or so? And um, anyway, the, the, moment we, <laughs> the moment at which we got promoted, we were on a dirt track heading back towards civilization, and I uh, I was in the front seat on the passenger well, ra- side. Manchester, rather. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the nearest you could find. And um, I did, I, I started welling up and I had to fight it back. I didn't think I was that bothered about it, which is part of the reason why I didn't go. I thought, you know, mm. we just need to get this out of the way, we'll be fine. But um, it, it got me and it choked me a little bit. I think the bad times, I've been too angry to cry, and the good times have been just too much of a... A relief. In Bristol, I spent most of the game angry. And so when we actually went up, it was more the celebrations, more of a sense of... Uh, Lashing out. You, yeah, you bloody owed me, rather than um, rather than actual sort of happiness. Maybe Le- maybe one day I'll cry at Elland Road and, Leeds- and men will laugh at me. <laughs> Leeds drove me to tears in, uh, at Bournemouth in 1990, but I was considerably younger then. But I, I think I'd sort of grown up with the weight of expectation of my dad saying, we're one of the biggest clubs ever. And look at the state of us now. So I kind of, I, I all I'd ever known growing up was what it meant to be a Leeds fan. And that day we got promoted, and I was on my dad's shoulders uh, on the pitch at Bournemouth, and just tears streaming down my face, but with love and happiness. It was a great moment. I was going to ask, have they ever had you in tears in a bad way though? Coca-Cola Cup final, but yeah. equally I was twelve, so that's forgivable. Actually, yeah, I, I was there. I think I might have shed a tear, but then again, I was very drunk. I was, I was seventeen then. That's the that was. Before I realised that we wouldn't win things, I thought I thought we'd just turn up and, and do quite well. <sighs> Am I the only one who just yeah. reacts to these defeats with anger? Because the one I can remember, I mean, that one I was just pissed off after Milosevic's goal after three minutes. I mean, it was then just <laughs> ninety minutes of just chasing the ball around. Yeah, it was. There was no expectation to be disappointed in after that. There was ninety minutes to prepare for terrible defeat, and then the the one I can think of was Barcelona in the Champions League when they equalised in the 95th minute at Elland Road, and again, I'd, I marched from Elland Road <laughs> to my friend's house in uh, in Headingley where I was staying, just kicking everything, every bus stop that I saw, <laughs> punching every advert that I saw, and I... I I remember getting into their kitchen and just like punching the back door, and they were just like, uh, did, did, Leeds, did Leeds win? <laughs> I mean, that was like a, a real sucker punch, but there was no too angry to be crying. That's my this story of my life. That'll be my autobiography. I don't know what Sterling's was called in the end. Moscow White, too angry to cry. <laughs> Well, the League Cup With a final. picture of Gary McSheffrey on the front. <laughs> With the League Cup final, I was just more pissed off than anything, but the saddest thing that we saw as we were coming out was a big, massive Leeds United flag just in a heap on the floor, and someone couldn't even be bothered taking it back home. Oh. That was the saddest thing about that day. Well, given this is supposed to be a love pod, let's pull it back round to joy yeah. and happiness. Final thought then, what do you love about Leeds United? Could be anything. What do you really love about Leeds as a club that sets us apart from other clubs? That no one else likes us. At yeah, all. yeah. <laughs> that's exactly my first thought. I, I love the fact that we are hated so much. People look upset when you tell them. If they're not <laughs> yeah. late, they'll kind of go, oh. So do you go to games and then they just think, 
That's even worse. (laughs) (laughs) It'd be one thing if you were an armchair fan, but... It kind of meets with the same same reaction as saying you're a, I don't know, a double glazing salesman or an estate agent, doesn't it? (laughs) Well, I went on our uh, Christmas do, and we had quite a lot of um, Manchester-based reps for our company, and um, one of them must have told me about 20 times, I really hate Leeds United. (laughs) And uh, I kept just going, oh, good. No, but I really fucking hate Leeds United. (laughs) I'm pleased that yeah. we really get under your skin. And he couldn't get to grips with, I love the fact that he hated Leeds. And I like the fact that they, A, they keep singing about us, the red mm. lot, and secondly, that we've adopted a chant of dirty Leeds, yeah. dirty Leeds. It's good. We wear it, should wear it as a badge of honour. It's been far too long in coming. So that's what we love most about Leeds, that it's dirty. And everyone hates us. <laughs> <laughs> and long may it continue. <laughs> Fourth and final part of the Square Ball podcast then. Thanks for staying with us. This is where we preview some games that are coming up in the very loosest sense of the word. Right, Leeds against Norwich is happening on Saturday. We've got Barnsley at home uh, looking for revenge for that 5-2 thumping down there earlier on in the season. Followed by the early kickoff against Swansea City on that Saturday lunchtime. A big series of games, really, where we're going to find out what we're made of. You're quite excited about Norwich, aren't you? Me? Yes. Well, the game? You, well, not just Norwich. <laughs> Delia, I love mustard. I, I love mustard, yeah. No, I, I think this is where we find out. It's not going to be the be-all and end-all of the season, but I feel, feel if we beat Norwich, we've got every chance of, of going up. If we left these three games with seven points, I might start to agree with you. We could afford a draw away at Swansea. But yeah, I think Norwich at home, I mean... We've been we've been toe to toe for the last few couple of years now. I think we beat them one nil, then they beat us one nil. Then they have more toes than us. They do have more toes than us. True, they can keep count better. No, I agree. We need to we need to knock them down and pull away from them. I'm a bit fed up of them, really. If if the worst thing that happens this season is they went up and we stayed down, I'd just be glad not to play them next year. Sick of the canary yellow. And I hope that fat Grant Holden's going in the 94th minute like he has been doing. Yeah, I was about to come on to him, but you kind of uh, succinctly said what uh, I think we were all thinking. I'm not we don't do well with the larger rotund strikers, do we? <laughs> that's, very, that's very nice. You have to just call him a fat Yes, Leeds United don't really cater for the larger gentleman. No, fat Yes, it's a. I mean, it's a fat like out of Coldplay play up front for them, isn't it? So it's not... Um, apologies for the language. Everybody. And they've got Simon Lappin, who Norwich fans sing, Simon Lappin, King of Spain, King of Spain, King of Spain, Simon Lappin, King of Spain. He looks Spanish. He's not, he's not Spanish. <laughs> and he's not the King of Spain? No. No. So do we have any, any high expectation of beating these lot, or is this a game where we're thinking, uh, could lose this? We beat QPR. We did. Ellen Road, and yeah. it's it's shaping up for a, a big QPR style crowd. We, I mean, we've did we not do all right last couple of seasons, apart from Trezor going nuts and um, getting sent off. But when we played down there at Carrow Road, back end of last season, we did all right. Would have would have won if bloody ref had watched that Casper being pushed over. And again, yeah, again this season, we, mm. we you know gave a good account of ourselves. We shouldn't be too worried, maybe. Well, I mean, let's face it, they were in Division Three last year, so they can't be that good. <laughs> we've shown ourselves capable of. Beating anyone and also sadly losing to anyone in this league. I think we need to win home games. If we want to go up, you need to win home games regardless of who they're against. Ronnie Hilton sang, get two at home and one away. Well, which nicely, I guess, brings us on to Barnsley. We, who we have to beat. They have got yes. to be so fired up for that game after what happened <coughs> earlier in the season. Yeah. We should yeah. make get Bassoni back from Charlton and make him play. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to see another DVD coming out at Barnsley after that game. I hope we beat them by a margin greater than five and... 
we don't bring a DVD out of it. To show that we're better than that. Yeah. yeah. Just strike it from the records. Or we bring out a DVD and it has 90 minutes of nothing. <laughs> 90 minutes of just somebody going, don't care, flicking Vs <laughs> at the screen. Yeah. <laughs> but we do, we owe, I mean, seriously, I know it's a Tuesday and we don't fare well on Tuesdays, but we owe them a beating. They've lost Adam Hamill, who caused us a lot of problems running it as uh, at Oakwell. Everybody causes a lot of problems. <laughs> but, you know, we've got a new defence. If you think, uh, Bassoni played that night, Naylor played that night, Collins played that night. Hughes came on. Hughes came on. The only Con- consistent defender is Paul Connolly. He's not going to be playing, even though he's been playing well. So, completely different full-backs, uh, centre-halves as well. Higgs was in net. Yes, he was, wasn't he? Yeah, so a new back, completely different back five, and a front five that can't stop scoring. What so could win. possibly go wrong? It's a nailed-on <laughs> win. Nailed-on. Barnsley have just got... Um, Paul McShane from uh, Heidi High. High. <laughs> oh, yes, I'm sure we did this joke last time as well. We probably did. Attacks never really been our problem, and I don't think we need to worry about bloody lamb chop. Lamb chop. Paul McShane. Ah, oh. sideburns. You see, for our younger listeners. For our younger listeners. Yeah. Look it up on um, <laughs> look it up on YouTube, but don't spend too long wondering about Sue Pollard. Just move on. Um, and then we travel off to uh, to Swansea. Liberty Stadium again. They seem to be. I mean, does this make the, the home win against them earlier in the season look actually pretty good? Because we 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 were good that day. We were a little bit lucky as well. I thought we, it was quite an even game in terms of chances, and we took ours. They didn't take theirs. But equally, we weren't playing that well generally at that stage of the season. Whereas now we are. But again, I mean, they keep winning. Sadly, I, I'm not going into any games particularly scared of teams anymore. It's quite nice. At the start of the season, I was fearful every week. It's just the sort of complacency which is going to result in zero points from these. That's right. Well, last time we made a, a whole uh, swathe of points predictions. Who predicted uh, seven points? Me. So you take the badge for this one then. I said two based on the fact that um, everyone else had predicted every other points tally. Mm. What, what do we think for these three games? I'll go with an RG seven. <coughs> well, Michael, you said you'd be pleased with seven. Do you think we'll get seven? Six. It's just numbers, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Who's going to beat us then? Uh... Swansea. I'm going to say. Unless, of course, Norwich beat us on Saturday, then, you know, we might beat Swansea then. I, I, don't, I don't want to be. You're making it more difficult for me to be right here. <laughs> a number was fine. I thought <laughs> we agreed a long time ago that we weren't going to get into this yeah, predicting game. We yeah, but we the pressure's were, off we now. We're not, we're, not trying to get, we're not trying to get promoted in the way that we were last year. We just we take it if it comes, it'll be a nice thing. But nine just points. Just a game. I say nine, <laughs> plus, nine <laughs> points from this, easy. Well, that's the way we're playing it nine points. Minimum. <laughs> <laughs> so after these three games there will be what 12 games to go left in the season it's not many is it we're, we're getting to the, to the uh, say it again I'm not going to say it again <laughs> to the important part of the season where results start to really oh, the business matter. end the business end yeah I did say that earlier but the cliche alarm is currently turned off we need to give it a million percent <laughs> yeah. between now and then but yeah we're, we're, I can't believe we're getting to a point where after this 12 games left it's nearly playoff time we're officially safe from relegation. That's worth noting. That's uh, is it officially confirmed? Though? Well, I think I think mathematically it's still probably possible, but I don't think no, any teams. I don't think any teams ever been relegated on the <laughs> amount of points they're on. So you've said it now. Oh. <laughs> he said it. Right. Okay. Check back in a fortnight. We'll we'll we'll, we'll rue missed chances or we'll we'll celebrate points in the bag. And now we turn it over to any other business. So uh, any other points you want to bring up, gents, about stuff that's happened in in the uh, in the world. Just wanted to give. Uh, our friend of the podcast and our favourite referee, one of the few, well, the only referee to have a podcast named after him, which uh, is David Webb, who was the referee for our Portsmouth game, went off injured and made an absolute horrible meal of it. It was it was punching the ground. It was that. It was in so much pain, and uh, you can see it on YouTube. I haven't watched it yet. Is it actually that good? Yeah, he's. And then Does the he chap, cry? 
it, it looks it's filmed the clip I've seen of it is filmed by a Charlton fan who's weirdly commentating on the game. I think he's one of those Weird people else. who does that. And he's going in. Some people are, uh, you know, are, are laughing at the referee and cheering, but I don't think it's. It looks badly injured to me. But then the Charlton physio apparently, uh, who who dealt with him, uh, tweeted that it, there was nothing wrong with him. <laughs> During the game, <laughs> <laughs> what a technological age we live in. I don't want so, updates from the the thighs of the referee while he lies prone. I, mean, I, I don't particularly believe in karma, but you know, all I'm saying is it's good to see him suffer. <laughs> <laughs> what I wished upon him that day when. Uh, <laughs> We played Portsmouth. Almost suffering last night was a. I would never described Gattuso as brave before because he just seemed like one of those pointless hard men, a bit like like a Robbie Savage or or a Roy Keane. But headbutting Joe Jordan, wise, stupid. He's just stupid. It's just not very fair. He's he just old. Lost yeah. his mind, didn't he? Lost his mind, Gattuso. It was. It was a whole. Uh, it's strange. Spurs this season seems to be just. Um, one, copying our Champions League run almost exactly to the point of buying superfluous players because they don't need Pina. They've just bought him to make their fourth and grace him greater and the whole, uh, we'll build, we'll go to a new stadium and uh, everything will be fine. And then, uh, <laughs> oh, the stadium's fallen through. Well, well, we'll qualify for the Champions League and that'll be all right. And then they go to the San Siro and, and get a, you know, get a big result there with um, Jonathan Woodgate playing in defence, who, uh, who I know started, um, he was almost going in to have a, a go at Gattuso after the headbutt. And really, Woodgate, I, I mean... Joe Jordan could probably withstand a headbutt, but John Woodgate would crumple, yeah, yeah. Like, a, like an old porcelain vase. Yeah. Well, Woodgate didn't have his mates with him, so he, w- he wouldn't have gone anywhere near, would he? <laughs> anyway, it was it was a sign of an old school footballer that Joe Jordan took a headbutt yeah. and still stood up. He wasn't rolling around didn't on the go floor, down, clutching yeah. his knee and his face. Right. Now, on that uh, on the note about it resembling our Champions League run, Oliver Kay, journalist of the Times, tweeted something very similar uh, on Twitter last night. And I responded with them saying, oh, well, we look forward to seeing how they cope with Yeovil in 2017 then, hey? We might be able to buy um, Aaron Lennon back if we've got a million quid to spare. A million pounds. And we sold his, uh, his salon clause as well, didn't we, so we could buy Kevin Nichols. Always worth remembering that. We might have got Westlake in as well. Gosh. <sighs> Tough times. Yeah, let's, let's keep it posy. <laughs> With that dealt with then, let's return to the Squareball magazine that we mentioned at the start of the show. Issue 7 does go on sale from the Norwich game, that's this coming Saturday. A damn fine issue, uh, if I do say so myself, had a hand in putting it together. The big headline feature and the cover story, Howard Wilkinson interview. It uh, is actually going to be published after we've mentioned it. Yeah, we've, we've built it up times. for bloody months now. <laughs> <laughs> well, who would have thought Howard Wilkinson involvement would have dragged on? So, no, it was our... Um, worth the wait, I think um, it's... Everything. Well, it's not. There was no way we could cover everything we wanted to talk to Howard Wilkinson about, but we've managed to get conversation. Not so much about things like you know, funny stories about Vinnie Jones or why did you sell Cantona or anything like that. We, it does concentrate a bit more on the on the the later part of his, of his, his reign vision as well, so. isn't it? Talking yeah, about a lot about because he's not his eyesight. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> like Thorpe Arch and yeah, so the, on. his legacy. The, yeah, when you, I mean, looking back, when you considered how difficult it is for a manager these days to, to manage for more than a season, and even then to, to do more than three seasons at a time. He turned up at Leeds and said, I'm going to do this and it's going to take 10 years. And well, we sacked him after eight, uh, after the club was sold. He did exactly what he said he was going to do. He got us back into the uh, top flight um, and kept us there while he built up the club and the academy and the training facilities and the East Stand and the commercial side of the club from practically nothing to the point where we were, when we got into the Champions League, we were ready for it. And it was... Ten years after he arrived, that we were there, and so 
we talked more about um, that end of things, and uh, and he was as gracious and as interesting and as Wilkinson e as you'd expect. <laughs> and it's a it's a damn good reading. Uh, and it's the flying pig from the forum who, who stalked the, Howard Wilkinson who, to the point of it's happening. Yeah, and his PA. Um, and who well he arranged all this and uh, it was um it was a pleasure to be able to to get involved with it and it's turned out to be more than worth a paltry pound to read yeah definitely worth getting that in this uh, forthcoming issue of the square ball magazine um and there's also going to some going to be and also there's going to be some background to uh, this on the blog as well at the squareball.net just sort of how the interview came about the bits that got left out not those bits obviously because they were left out for a reason but <laughs> You know the, the the thinking behind why Howard was perhaps a little bit keen not to offend anybody, which perhaps says a lot about his character. Yeah, because one of the delays for it was he wanted to um, to correct a few of the things he said and and um, change a few things. And I'm gonna I think on Friday morning before the weekend I'll read what we've sort of the conclusions we've drawn um, from those changes. And it's worth mentioning as well that we have in the centre spread. Our brother at the Beaten Generation has pulled out another magnificent Wilkinson tribute image. You'll understand when you see it. We'll get that one on the blog as well, anyway. But can we just a, a quick teaser for what's contained in the, in the interview? You know, it touches on why he signed so many players from Sheffield, uh, the idea of Thorpe Arch, the 10 year plan, O'Leary's team. Also, very, very interesting what he has to say about Thomas Brolin. Full responsibility lies with Howard, according to Howard, which is um, a theme of uh, of the whole thing. Really, he won't. There was no question of um, him blaming anybody else for anything that went on. Fascinating stuff. Do check out the squareball.net then for all that, the background to it, details of how you can buy the magazine. And of course, it will be on sale at Ellen Road against Norwich. It has other stuff in it as well. Yep, from Saturday. We mentioned the Casuals photo exhibition a little bit earlier on. Uh, there's going to be an article in there with a few sample photos. It's a really good article, is that? It was, um, a lot of the stuff you read of that time is very, uh, particularly kind of ex-hooligan autobiographies are very much uh, glorifying it and making it out to be something I'm sure it wasn't. But this seems like a nice, honest account of... It sounds It's a lot more down-to-earth. It's kind of a coming-of-age account, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, um, it's really nicely written. Other bits and bobs in the magazine, then, from our regular writers, Joe Mewis, Steve Firth and Svend, our Norwegian columnist, plus Moscow the 2003-2004 review, which we mentioned a little bit earlier. Depressing read, but one that actually, you know, makes us a little bit more grateful for where we are and the shape we're in today. Well, we're glad we don't have Cyril Chapuis anymore. That's a <laughs> mystery French trialist. <laughs> he was Swiss. Chapuis was Swiss, uh, yes. Fair enough. I did actually make the mistake when I was writing it of referring to them as a bunch of Frenchmen, but then I realised that they'd all just come from um, Willie Mackay's stable of French League players, but they were um, a rainbow coalition of <laughs> yeah it got as exotic as a swiss <laughs> so yeah squareball.net just to tie that bit up get on there you can buy the magazine read the blog all sorts of bits and bobs get this podcast and all the back podcasts as well and finally then do get in touch with us we always love to hear from you you can do it via plenty of different ways podcast at the squareball.net is the email address facebook.com forward slash the squareball and if you want to find us on twitter we are at the squareball and you know what if you want to drop us a a box of Swiss chocolates. Uh, the address is also on the website. So we hope we've uh, spread a little bit of love for you on this uh, edition of the Square Ball Podcast. Thank you very much for listening. I'll say goodbye. Goodbye from Michael Normanton. Goodbye. Moscow White. Kiss, kiss. And Oddie. Goodbye. Uh, we'll speak to you again in a fortnight uh, and I uh, hope you have a great time between now and then. We'll see you soon. Goodbye. The Square Ball Podcast, supported by thegeldedend.com.
What is it? It's a card for the Grosvenor Casino in Bristol. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I realised how, sh- how drunk I must have been because that's not my name on the back. <laughs> I've really failed to sign it. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.